This is All the Cool Parts number 30 for Monday, August 13th, 2012. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this edition of All the Cool Parts. And I'm really excited to present composer, percussionist, and now website entrepreneur uh, Eric Ginevan uh, to this week's podcast. And what we're going to do is start what hopefully becomes a series of podcasts on his website, composerscircle.com. And what this website does is it presents a living composer every day every single day there's a different living composer it talks uh, the site talks a little bit about uh, them gives a little short bio a link to their website and presents a piece of their music uh, that you can listen to in its entirety for free and uh, when this site started in uh, just uh, May of this year I heard about it and I thought it was a great idea at first and uh, uh, Eric approached me actually to to be on the site so I'm on the site there somewhere um, but you know in, in, in the beginning I thought it was a very cool idea a really great thing but since then I have discovered an unbelievable amount of really really great music by people that I've known and also people that are brand new to me and uh, the level of music and the level of composition and just the things that are going on right now in the contemporary classical music world are just really really exciting and uh, I wanted to share this website with you know all all you listeners and really encourage you to go there and discover this music um, because there's some really amazing stuff on the site so uh, without further ado, I'm going to, uh, you know, go into my uh, co-hosting with Eric Ginevan, and we're going to talk all about ComposerCircle.com and present some music of some of the composers that have been presented on the site. So here it is with uh, myself and Eric Ginevan. What's up? We'd like to welcome composer and percussionist and now founder of the Composer Circle website, Eric Ginevan, to the show. What's up, Eric? Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, I'm really excited to have you on and to be able to talk about Composer Circle. And, uh, you know, I thought it was an awesome idea uh, back in May when you uh, first proposed it, when I first heard about it. And uh, since then, you know, I've discovered so much great music from this site, from not only people that I, I've i heard of, uh, people, some people that I know personally, but a lot of people that I don't know, um, a lot of up-and-coming composers, uh, composers that are still studying, composers that are students or in early stages of their careers, and uh, man, just so impressed with the amount of just great music that's out there and you know what a great idea 
So uh, why don't you start off by just telling us a little bit about you and, you know, your musical background and what you're doing out in L.A. and yeah. Uh, sure. Well, I um, yeah, right now I'm based in Los Angeles, a composer and a percussionist. Um, uh, playing a lot out here right now as a um, uh, recently, um, I guess about three, three, four years ago, um, became a founding member of a chamber ensemble out here called Los Angeles Percussion Quartet. Um, and, and percussion is really where my um, love of music started. Um, started playing percussion when I was about 10 and um, then composing about uh, 16 or 17. And um, uh, coming from a percussion background, a lot of my music is really uh, rhythmically driven, um, very percussive in nature. Um, and let's see, I did my uh, undergraduate uh, degree in, in com- composition and percussion at Indiana University. Uh, and then came out to LA for um, for grad work and did a master's and a doctorate at USC. Um, I've been done with school for about a year now, and um, uh, I've been exploring um, that transition from student to um, non-student. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. and and, <laughs> um, and actually, composer circle is one of the things that uh, kind of came out of. Um, Searching for something as part of that transition. That um, in uh, in academia, frequently there is no shortage of music to listen to. Um, your um, your your um, your peers and your um, advisors are constantly giving you suggestions about music you should know, um, things you should be checking out. You're checking out each other's music. You're checking out your your uh, teacher's music. Um, and then if you have time to go look for something to listen to on your own, it feels like you're, uh, you know, you're lucky almost. Um, uh, and, then, and then recently I found myself um, really wanting to um, be listening to more um, of my peers' music. Um, and I'd find myself sitting down and, okay, here's somebody I know, and I'd go to their website, and and then they have 20 recordings up, and... Um, and I, I, heck, wouldn't even know where to start sometimes. Um, and getting this idea to um, to start this this pilot website where where I'd I'd ask composers to um, give me just just a really short glimpse of of themselves as a composer, um, and, and then just one piece, one representative example of their music to send in the future. Um, uh, and, and originally, this was. Um, my main motivation for doing this was um, to have some some peer-directed guidance for um, what to listen to, um, and to to help uh, help me discover some new music by um, at first people I know, and then eventually people I didn't know. As the as the word word got out that um, there's this new site that's featuring a composer every day, um, and it's generated some some um, Pretty pretty cool interest so far. Um, uh, wound up you know, doing um, doing about two or three weeks of features, mostly on my uh, my colleagues' music, which was um, uh, really a delight because it it, it, you know, it was able to revisit a bunch of composers whose music um, that I ha- I hadn't uh, listened to for a while, or um, or maybe I had, but I, I got to experience a new piece. Um, 
And then um, actually reaching out through them, I was able to meet lots of other composers um, that, uh, that I, w I was unfamiliar with and, and you know, discovered, like I said, a number of really great pieces. Um, and, and, and now it's gone from just kind of like a, a small local operation to um, reaching out to a number of countries, including Iran, um, Israel, Spain, uh, a number of pieces from the UK and Canada and a few other countries. So it's um, it's been it's been a really great way to to just learn a lot of different music. Um, to just give myself some time every day to sit down and experience something new. Um, and um, it, it, it's it's garnered um, like a pretty decent collection of pieces that are very very widely uh, diverse stylistically, um, which I also find. Um, really inspiring and interesting to listen to. Oh yeah, totally. Um, you know, it really shows a, a really interesting and accurate cross section of what's going on in, in composition, I guess, classical composition right now with people just doing such diverse, you know, a diverse amount of music, diverse amount of styles drawing from a really, you know, as far as influence wide, just anything and everything. You know, any musical mm -hmm. period, any musical style, genre, music from other countries. Um, and that's really awesome what you said. You know, it, it sort of started really kind of like uh, four months ago, not even four months ago, mm -hmm. um, as a as a local kind of L.A. operation. And it's gone in that short time worldwide. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's been, um, it's been it's been really really fun to discover like at first i wondered if i would um like you know i i told a few colleagues about it and they said oh you're gonna you're gonna post you know feature someone new every day you're gonna run out really fast and <laughs> um and, and and somehow it's uh haven't missed a day since it's, it's been uh, been really great and the enthusiasm for it has been um uh, really, really strong and encouraging, and uh, yeah, it's been, it's been seeing some really, um, some really good regular, uh, slow but regular growth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, and you know, the other thing I found interesting was that the composers you have represented on the site right now, so far, really represent a total spectrum of uh, of composers. I mean, you have composers that are really just starting out. You know, they've only been doing it maybe a couple years up mm -hmm. to, up to uh, ex, you know, distinguished, world famous composers mm -hmm. and everything mm -hmm. in between, you know, so it's it's great. Uh, um, yeah. And we're basically just going to present uh, eight pieces. So uh, eight excerpts from eight pieces that have been presented on Composer Circle. Um, I chose four and. Uh, Eric chose four and believe me, it was a tough choice to, to do just eight pieces. Um, there are so many great pieces on the site and, uh, we apologize if anybody feels, uh, excluded or anything. Um, it was, it was very, very tough to, to pick mm -hmm. eight, but, um, we, uh, yeah, we did. We, we pared it down to eight just to give people, uh, an idea of what's going on at composer circle, uh, let them hear some fresh new voices. Uh, these are all living composers, uh, all, you know, actively working and creating, you know, creating music of our own time, you know, our, our own culture. Um, 
And uh, yeah, you can use this as a sort of jumping off point to go to composerscircle.com and and really discover a bunch of awesome composers and awesome music. So, mm-hmm. um, so we're going to start with uh, one of my picks, uh, composer Clint Needham. And he appeared on the site on July 25th with his piece Urban Sprawl, which was written for uh, the group Alarm Will Sound uh, as part of their Mizzou Summer Music Festival in uh, 2011. So this piece is just just written last year, uh, written and performed last year. And uh, <clears throat> I'm going to read Clint's bio that he submitted to the Composer Circle's website um, because his bio, his regular bio is, is really huge. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to read this one. Uh, it says the music of Clint Needham has been described as wildly entertaining uh, by the New York Times, well-crafted, arresting, and riveting by the Herald Times, and stunning and brilliantly orchestrated again by the New York Times. Uh, currently, he's composer in residence at the Conservatory of Music at Baldwin Wallace University. Uh, his music has been commissioned and performed by the Minnesota Orchestra, Orpheus Chamber Orchestra, Omaha Symphony, American Composers Orchestra, American Brass Quintet, and the President's Own Marine Band Brass Quintet. Uh, among others. Upcoming commissions and performances will be given by the Albany Symphony, the Spokane Symphony, Boston Symphony's Hawthorne String Quartet with the Omaha Symphony, Imani Wins, Fifth House Ensemble, and Orpheus Wins. So Clint is a busy dude, and uh, he's been writing a lot of great music, especially in the past two years. And this mm-hmm. is uh, one of his pieces that he wrote for Alarm Will Sound, which is... Uh, Alarm Will Sound is... <clears throat> excuse me, one of the uh, preeminent new music ensembles uh, in the United States. And uh, we're going to hear another piece uh, performed by them. But uh, yeah, his piece, Urban Sprawl, um, his program notes or his notes uh, in the score to, to Urban Sprawl, I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, He says about the piece, uh, it's for chamber orchestra, and uh, he says about it, After spending months looking, my wife and I bought a home in the suburbs. While looking, I interestingly, uh, I'm sorry, I increasingly became intrigued by the overall funkiness of the insides of a number of houses we were shown by our realtor. From the crazy wallpaper to the downright hideous paint colors, to the do-it-yourself projects gone wrong, to the fresh smells of wacky tobacco, some of these homes were real standouts. After seeing so many of these homes, I began to imagine who these current homeowners were. I started picturing them moving about their homes, doing these crazy projects, and dancing a quirky new dance I called the Urban Sprawl. Uh, Urban Sprawl is a seven-minute, funky, jazzy, kitschy, and hopefully fun ode to suburban life. And uh, it says, yeah, this work was written for and premiered by Larmal Sound. So... Um, yeah, this piece that the uh, the excerpt that I'm going to play, I just I love the energy and the playfulness of this piece. And uh, one thing that really grabbed me is Clint's orchestration is just extremely colorful, kind of clear, open, and you can really hear you know everything that's going on. Really awesome combinations of instruments, um, and uh, you know it. It opens with this kind of frenetic section, uh, and after this frenetic section, the music gives way to this sort of slower pseudo blues. 
you know, with this really great trombone solo uh, with the trombone player utilizing this plunger mute and uh, you can hear these other little solos going on, like in the trumpet, cello, bass clarinet and other instruments. Yeah. What did you think of Urban Sprawl? Uh, I thought it was, it, I mean, it's just, it's just super exciting and extremely colorful. Um, he really takes advantage of um, the versatility of, of the ensemble alarmal sound, um, who, whose players are just phenomenally, uh, phenomenally um, good and, uh, and, and like, like the composers in the composer circle, um, very diverse in their talents and skills. Um, and, and Clint really takes advantage of that for, for all that it's worth. Um, uh, I, I think um, the stylistic influence in Clint's piece is, is really interesting. Um, drawing, um, drawing uh, definitely here from popular music and there from jazz. And, and the excerpt we're going to hear is, is, is definitely really jazz influenced. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, but definitely some rock in there, too. Um, and um, I know Clint, Clint's work is um, really uh, centered a lot on um, American influences. Um, and and I think you can hear them pretty clearly in in this piece. Um, I think the punchy dissonance that he uses is pretty exciting um, in this piece. Uh, a lot of like sharp uh, sharp attacks on um, on chords that sound pretty pretty brash, but but really really exciting. Um, and and I like I, I really like the way how in 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 this particular excerpt, he, he almost evokes the feel of uh, a jazz combo. Um, yeah, yeah. Or, or if not a really big mixed ensemble jazz combo, but um, yeah, with the, but the use of the drum set really, really pulls it into that sound world. Um, and then the, yeah, the piano and the trombone solo in this excerpt in particular, um, really, really, really jazzy, but with a really unique voice and color. Yeah, I mean, you can even uh, I can even e- sort of hear like even like Dixieland in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and but yeah, like you said, that was a good uh, comment. You said you know American influences. Yeah, this is like <laughs> some kind of. You're right. It's 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 uh, some kind of huge mashup of yeah of American music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's check this out. This piece of uh, our first piece. Uh, from the Composer Circle's website. This is uh, Clint Needham with Urban Sprawl.
And we just heard Clint Needham Urban Sprawl. And we're going to move on to our second composer, composer Lansing McCloskey. And uh, this uh, Lansing McCloskey was uh, featured on the site on June 12th. And uh, we're going to present his concerto for brass quintet and wind ensemble called What We Do Is Secret from 2011. And um, this is one of your picks, Eric. So why don't you take this one? Um, well, uh, according to his short bio here, uh, he's been described um, as a major talent and a deep thinker with a great ear by the American Composers Orchestra and an engaging, gifted composer writing smart, compelling, and fascinating music that gives strong hints of a punk band past by Gramophone Magazine. Um, I think it's really interesting in his um, biography, he, he says that for him, the proverbial three Bs were not Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms, as they are for, for many um, many musicians, but, but rather the Beatles, Bauhaus, and Black Flag. <clears throat> Um, yeah, that's. I can identify with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and reveals uh, reveals a clear a clear influence um, that, that is very relevant in this piece um, on uh, his interest in in punk punk band music and uh, and I guess a, a different facet of American music um, than than what Clint was inspired by. Um, this uh, this piece, what we do is secret. Um, actually draws its title from um, the influential 1978 album by the same name by uh, the early punk band The Germs. Um, And uh, the movement we're going to hear a part of, Rise Above, uh, is titled, uh, gets its title from uh, the punk band Black Flag. Black Flag, right. (laughs) Um, And uh, as he says in the note for the piece, the concerto is a sort of homage to the groundbreaking and influential bands and countless others like them, who despite being lost in oblivion to the mainstream and having never achieved any semblance of commercial success, nevertheless gave great voice to the frustrations of a generation and ultimately changed the face of popular music. Um, he, He goes on to note, though, that it's important to note that the piece is in no way an attempt at a punk concerto does not quote any of the punk music in a cheap postmodern pastiche, but rather uses these songs solely as touchstones and points of inspiration. Um, so, with, with with the note, this comes inspired for, by 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 punk music. The piece actually doesn't actually sound um, like the sound world of those bands. Um, perhaps the the immediate connection to um, to the source uh, inspiration isn't isn't as um, direct as maybe the relationship we see in Clint's piece here. Um, the, the, the instrumentation is really, really interesting, it being that there's a brass, brass quintet featured in the piece um, and uh, an accompaniment for wind ensemble, so a lot of brass on stage. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, um, it's almost like a concerto grosso, right? I mean, we have, you know, this, this mm-hmm. brass sextet set against the wind ensemble. Yeah. Yeah, and at the beginning of this piece, you hear um, this piece has a, a really, really striking, forceful opening um, that is um, really, really grabs your attention and is also very, very dissonant. Um, and uh, and the, the piece really stays um, rather intense and in your face up until the point where the um, the brass quintet. Uh, feature section begins, and then uh, in the actual, you'll 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 hear where that starts, and it's, it's a real 
change of texture, um, given that you can't really um, blast at full volume and have a, a solo section um, be heard really prominently. Um, I think um, so, some of the uh, some of the really really dense dissonant chords he uses in the opening of this concerto um, are really really interesting. Um, and some of them are very, very long. Like he really, yeah. really stretches what your, um, what your, you know, stretches the expectations of okay, how how long can I sustain this? Right, right. And yeah, and keep it and, and keep while while still generating forward momentum. Yeah. Um, well, you know, he mm-hmm. says in the in the notes that, <clears throat> excuse me, that you don't actually hear. You know, there's no quotations from the punk music that he. Uh, that he's inspired by, but I think the inspiration is the uh, just the intensity <laughs> that you get mm-hmm. from these mm-hmm. punk bands, you know. And I can imagine, just to use Black Flag as an example, uh, you know, if you've ever seen uh, Black Flag come out on stage and start a concert, and Henry Rollins, the lead singer of Black Flag, come out and start performing, the attitude and the intensity is the same as the beginning of this piece. <laughs> And mm-hmm. I think that that's Absolutely. where the that's where the real uh, connection is there between uh, the two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like the sheer forcefulness, and, yeah, and yeah. and the command of of the audience, yeah, yeah, awesome. Well, um, yeah, that that opening again, yeah, it really grabbed me too. I mean, it's just <laughs> it really it grabs anybody, anybody's attention, anybody's asleep in the audience, they're not asleep anymore after that. Uh, nope, they're definitely gonna wake them up. <laughs> Um, so yeah, let's, let's check this out, uh, from Lancey McCloskey. This is an excerpt from his concerto for brass quintet and wind ensemble. What we do is secret.
And we just heard Lansing McCloskey, What We Do is Secret. And we're going to move on to composer Matthew Peterson, featured on the site on May 17th. <clears throat> and um, Matthew's uh, piece that we're going to talk about is uh, Hyperborea, performed by the St. Olaf Orchestra, conducted by Stephen Amundsen. And uh, let's see, I'm going to, again, read uh, Matthew's bio from the Composer Circle website. Uh, Matthew Peterson, born 1984, writes, Wondrous music exploring frontiers of sound and expression. A composer of, quote, considerable imagination and individuality, Houston Chronicle, his music is, quote, fresh and passionate, beautiful and challenging. That was from the BBC Berkshire. Ranging from songs of criminals and outcasts to modern settings of sacred texts to stunning orchestral soundscapes. Uh, born in North Dakota, he lives in Stockholm, Sweden, and uh, over 50 of his works have been performed across North America and Europe. And uh, this piece, uh, like I said, is for orchestra. Um, I'm going to read his program note. Uh, Matthew's own program note from this piece <clears throat> and it starts with this uh, quotation uh, from Pindar from the 10th Pythian Ode it says uh, never the muse is absent from their ways lyres clash and flutes cry and everywhere maidens choruses whirling neither disease nor bitter old age is mixed in their sacred blood far from labor and battle they live but whatsoever splendors we mortals may reach, neither by ship nor on foot would you find the marvelous road to Hyperborea. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> so uh, the ancient Greeks, he says, the ancient Greeks believed that uh, blessed realm Hyperborea existed in far north above the reach of the north wind. Um, one summer night in July 2010, I was out watching the sky darken over Lake Skedviken. This is a... Uh, Swedish word. Uh, the sun never sets to the north, and the pink glow remained on the horizon all night. Seeing that glow inspired thoughts of the imaginary Hyperborea. It is said mortals can't reach the land where there is no suffering, but what if we briefly glimpsed that shore and saw that it does exist? Hyperborea is a musical and spiritual journey inspired by the horizons of the far north, especially the sea and sky of my home near Sweden's Baltic coast. Um... So this piece, you know, I, I think it does an amazingly great job conveying that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's in contrast to Clint's piece. Uh, I'm sorry, not. Well, Clint's piece and uh, uh, Lansing's piece, both. This mm -hmm. piece is, is just is very stark and very still. Um, you know, sometimes listening to this piece, I know this is kind of esoteric, but sometimes... You almost feel like you're kind of safe in the womb or something, you know, <laughs> like like mm -hmm. everything is tranquil and still and you can't be harmed. And uh, it just evokes this feeling, this this wonderful feeling evoked by this idea of hyperborea. Um, and I really can't say enough about what an awesome job he did conveying this idea in music, mm -hmm. you know, with no words, just in music through his orchestration. Just awesome. Um, the, uh, the excerpt that we're going to hear, uh, starts with a really beautiful solo, uh, for the cello. And then a little later, a solo for the violin, kind of a stark, um, unaffected violin. 
Um, th- this is sort of, we're starting kind of in the middle section. So we have the pieces sort of like these busier outer sections um, and then a more tranquil still intersection. Uh, the outer sections, uh, you know, he, he, it's, you know, like I said, it's, it's a little busier, but he still, he does a great job of, of conveying this sort of stark and I don't know, icy feeling, you know, of this untouchable Mm -hmm. land with this, uh, with this piece. What are your thoughts on this piece? I think, um, like, one of the things that, you know, as I was listening to all these pieces again in, in preparation for the show, like, one, I think one thing that really stands out in um, in Hyperborea um, is, uh, like you were mentioning, this, the slow harmonic rhythm of the piece. Um, but both of the, well, especially, like, Clint's piece so far, you, you hear rather fast harmonic rhythm, um, quick changes and shifts from one idea to the next. Um uh, rapidly moving harmonies and chords, um, and and uh, Matthew Peterson's piece is kind of uh, like the complete opposite direction. Very much about stillness, um, about, um, about about slow evolution and unfolding of the harmony, um, and um, it, 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 it's um, done in a way that makes every move of harmony or every move of just the note and the melody um, very meaningful uh, I think um, and it, I, I think he beautifully colors it with these um, the, these kind of fleeting gestures that, that come in and out over um, over the, the, the kind of elongated texture he has the um, the flute and some of the other instruments do these um, these subtle gestures that speed up and slow down a little bit as they oscillate. Um, that, that kind of kind of give a shimmer or sparkle to the texture. Um, there's these really powerful brass swells that come in towards the end of this excerpt that um, that like gradually feel like they're starting to overwhelm the texture, but then they come and recede, kind of like the ocean. Like I can. Um, I, I can definitely see, a, like, like you were saying, a really clear picture of of, of his influence and his inspiration here. Um, it, the, I, I totally have the picture of like standing on on the coast, um, like the the, the co- coast of northern Europe, just just looking at the sky or the ocean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. I think he just uh, did really just a perfect job um, conveying, you know. Uh, this whole idea that he had for the piece and um, <clears throat> you know even I think even without the the long program note and the association with the Hyperborea even if you didn't know any of that I think it, it would still be just an unbelievably beautiful piece you know just mm-hmm. by itself but um, yeah let's let's check it out Sounds good. this piece of Matthew Peterson this is the St. Olaf Orchestra under Stephen Amundsen this is Hyperborea
And we just heard Matthew Peterson, Hyperborea, and we're going to move on to composer Paul Dooley, featured on the site on May 22nd, his piece, Point Blank, for Chamber Ensemble. This is also, uh, like the Clint Needham piece, this is performed by the group Alarm Will Sound. And uh, yeah, yeah, what about Paul Dooley? Well, uh, he, he explains in his uh, short bio that um, his path has embraced not only his Western classical heritage, but also a cross-cultural range of contemporary music, dance, art, technology, and the interactions between human and natural worlds. Um, uh, kind of like myself, actually, he grew up playing percussion in a, um, a variety of settings. He played drum set and piano in, in both jazz and rock ensembles. Uh, as well as playing orchestral percussion. Um, and I think you can definitely hear um, the influence of, uh, of a lot of different kinds of music in, in Paul's piece as well. Um, he, uh, he's been having a really uh, successful time lately um, being performed by, in addition to Alarm Will Sound, the Charlotte Symphony, Omaha Symphony, the Cabrillo Festival Orchestra, American Philharmonic, and the list goes on. Um, lots of great performances um, in the past and coming up. Um, and in fact, the piece you're going to hear, Point Blank, uh, was originally written for Alarm Will Sound, uh, and he was recently commissioned by a consortium of 14 wind ensembles to make a version of this piece for wind ensemble, and I think the premiere of that is coming up in a few months. Um, and this piece, um, I believe, let me, let me read his program note, um, so it's inspired by the sounds, rhythms, and virtuosity of the members of Alarm Will Sound. Um, it says it features synthetic sound worlds and tightly interlocking percussion ideas. The drum set, timpani, and strings whirl the ensemble through an array of electronically inspired orchestrations, while the wind and brass shriek for dear life. Point Blank is a central processing unit of floating point tremolos, discrete pizzicatos, multi-threading scales, and random access modulations. Um, I think it's a great description of the piece. Um, like uh, Clint Needham's that we heard earlier, it's super high energy, very, very propulsive. Um, has some equally um, brash gestures, like, like at the very beginning, the first thing you'll hear in this is um, a string glissando, although he instructs the string players to play with more pressure than they would play if you hadn't given any other indications that it creates a kind of scratchy or really extra intense sound. Um, uh, also, like uh, Clint Needham's piece, it's really propelled by the percussion. Um, Although in, in Paul's piece, really the, the, the main driving instrument here is the hi-hat, which you'll hear. It has these really fast, relentless 16th notes pushing the, the piece ahead the whole time. Um, there's these slow, uh, slow bending harmonic, uh, not harmonic, glissandos happen in a number of instruments where, where you'll hear these, these, um, these subtle kind of fall-off gestures that um, provide a really nice contrast to the rhythmic propulsion um, and a lot of sharp accents and explosive gestures. Um, and I, yeah, I think I can hear what he's, what he's getting at with um, being inspired by electronic sounds. Um, a lot of the combinations of instruments he use, um, uses in this piece are, are really, um, really unique, really, really creative. Um, 
And, and it's almost like with a lot of the gestures he's using, he's making like kind of a new instrument out of groups or combinations of instruments um, in a way that, it, uh, as he explains, is inspired by uh, electronic sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You can, uh, you can really tell, <laughs> listening to this piece, that Paul is a percussionist and a drum set player. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like the whole piece. I mean, you talked about this a little bit, but it really, it's almost like the entire piece plays off of the drum set. You know, like everybody's reacting to what the drum set is doing. It sounds like mm-hmm. the drum, and I don't know if that's what he intended, but it sounds like the drum set is the focal point to me of this piece. And it sounds like everybody is playing off of what the drum set is doing. Um, so it, it, yeah, it feels like a piece totally fueled by this drum set in which I love, you know, um, like I said, I don't know if that's what he intended, but, um, I just feel like it's tethered to it. Yeah. Like the the percussion is the main, it's very, very, very much propelled by the percussion. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, yeah, like almost like with every drum and every cymbal, every hi-hat hit, he he strikes with his drum set. It somehow sets off something, you know, in the orchestra, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, just super cool. Uh, so, yeah, let's check this out. This piece from Paul Dooley, his piece Point Blank for Chamber Ensemble.
And we just heard Paul Dooley's Point Blank. And we're going to move on to composer Tim Reed. And uh, uh, we're going to move on to Tim Reed's Nocturne for Sopranino saxophone and electronics. And uh, I was going to start with his bio. Hold on, let me find it real quick. So, so Tim's bio that he has on his website, I'm not reading the one that he has on the Composer Circle. I'm, having the, I'm reading the bio that he has on his website, and I'm going to read his full bio that he has on his website, okay? So his bio is, uh, see, Tim Reed was born in May of 1976, <laughs> weighing 11 pounds and 9 ounces. During the following 15 years, his weight steadily increased, reaching approximately 170 <laughs> pounds in, one, in 1991. Tim's height also increased during this time, reaching six feet and four inches in 1991. Between 1991 and 2007, his height remained steady at six feet and four inches, while his weight fluctuated between 165 and 210 pounds. <laughs> Tim is currently six feet and four inches in height and weighs 175 pounds. That was as of April 2011. <laughs> Tim is assistant professor of music theory composition at Manchester College and holds degrees from the University of Florida, Illinois State University in LaGrange College. So that's Tim's official bio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, his piece uh, for uh, Sopranino saxophone uh, and uh, tape. And uh, this is uh, played by uh, saxophonist Farrell Vernon and was released on his CD, High Notes, More New Music for the Sopranino Saxophone uh, on the Centaur label. And uh, this is labeled, you know, one of those pieces uh, that is labeled uh, as a piece for some live instrument and tape. Mm -hmm. And tape, you know, is such an antiquated term at this time, but I guess it's sort of become like the normal thing to say. So of course this really isn't for a tape, you know, he's not putting a reel to reel or a cassette tape in something. Um, it's more likely on computer, you know, the, the, uh, mm. uh, composed part, but, uh, you know, they just say tape, I guess is for lack of, uh, I don't know. Anybody, kind of a generic um, kind of kind of a generic term. Recording, yeah. yeah. It's probably for Sopranino saxophone and pre-recorded stuff on computer is what I'm guessing, but um but yeah, this is a piece for uh like I said a live performer and a pre-composed or pre-composed music um done electronically, digitally, whatever on uh, on the computer, right? So the performer is performing to this uh, pre-existing instrumental part, right? Um, mm -hmm. And uh, you know we're going to start this uh, this excerpt. Uh, we enter on this sort of you know sort of a cadenza-like passage for the saxophone, a kind of a, a really virtuosic cadenza-like passage, and we get to really hear a Farrell Vernon's just awesome virtuosity. Uh, on the instrument um you know there's a a few things i i really like about tim's electronic music mm -hmm. and uh, n well one is is just a beautiful piece and and i just i loved it the first time i heard it um and another thing i loved about this piece is that the sounds that he uses on the tape part um 
are really not so, so overly processed. And this is just a, a personal thing, but a lot of, uh, you know, classical um, electronic works that I hear, they'll start with some source sound material, uh, but then the source sound material will be so processed that it ends up, you know, unrecognizable. Um, so the source material really could have been anything. I mean, uh, you know, and it ends up just sounding unrecognizable. So it's in here, taken, taken pretty far away from its source material. Right. So here you can really hear, even though the, the sounds are processed, you can really hear what they are, what the sounds are in their normal um, state. And we have a lot of sounds, um, a lot of sort of elongated sort of string-like sounds, a lot of um, uh, bell-like sounds, wind chime sort of sounds, um, and uh, the recording here, the the production value of the recording is just amazing. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the sounds that he uses are really sparingly. So like the wind chimes, you know, they only appear at the very beginning of the work and the very end of the work. And it is really great at creating a sense of form, you know, using mm-hmm. these sounds just very carefully placed in the, the thing. Another thing I really love about Tim and his music is that he can really write equally well for the acoustic instruments and the electronic, you know, part. Mm-hmm. And um, the dialogue between them becomes so natural too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally natural. Um, beautiful. Yeah. What, what did you think of this piece? Well, I thought uh, like, like you're saying this cadenza like past the passage at the beginning of the excerpt, um, uh, in addition to showing how, how awesome the performer is too, um, like it really, really highlights the versatility of the instrument, um, and that within this excerpt you get to hear um, like lightning fast um, uh, sliding between notes up in the top register of the instrument, and you also get to explore its its um, warmer, more lyrical quality as it moves back into what what feels in, in, at times like like almost like a chant like melody. Um, over over the drone of the uh, accompaniment part, um, uh, I, I think it's really. I, I was really drawn into in this piece uh, how the accompaniment at times sounds a lot like an organ, or or kind of like a, like a, a subtly living, breathing accompaniment um, uh, over which the the saxophone floats. Um, I yeah. think the color is really really just fantastic in this piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's check it out. This is uh, Nocturne by Tim Reed.
And we just heard Nocturne of Tim Reed. And we're going to move on to Composal. Composal? <laughs> Composer. Uh, Michael Thomas Fumai. Is that how you say his last name? I think so, yeah. Fumai. Mm-hmm. Um, he was featured... On May 14th, the very first composer to be featured on Composer Circle. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to listen to his piece for string quartet called Flare Up. So uh, you want to take Michael Thomas? Sure, sure. Um, uh, Michael Thomas is a Hawaiian-born composer um, who got his undergraduate degree at University of Hawaii and is currently at University of Michigan working on a doctorate. Um he has um, been getting lots of uh, really great performances and awards lately. He's got award- awards from BMI, ASCAP, um, among others, and has been um, read or performed by um, numerous ensembles, including Buffalo Philharmonic, New England Philharmonic, uh, American Composers Orchestra, which is a huge champion of new music, um, and Honolulu Symphony, and uh, Alarm will sound, and you can you also get an idea of how important alarm will sound is to the the new music scene today. As we I think they mentioned, we mentioned them three or four different times now. Um, uh, anyway, he, uh, Michael Thomas from I writes of his piece "Flare Up" that it was inspired by images taken of solar flares and the sun's emissions. Um, these images are vibrant and depict colossal flaming arches rising above the sun's surface. Um, He says, I wanted to translate the vivid imagery into musical sound to depict the idea of music that is burning or to convey the idea of something going up in flames. Um, And I think think this piece is awfully successful in conveying that. Um, It uh, actually, like like one or two other things we've heard in this um, podcast so far, it starts out with this kind of shaking... Uh, sliding glissando that leads down into this um, really, really driving, um, aggressive uh, string texture. Um, most of the notes are short, most of them are fast, um, and, and there's a lot of interesting rhythmic overlapping. Um, there is this aggressive um, double stroke pattern, digga, 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 that, that moves between all four instruments um, pretty seamlessly. So there's this like rotation and fluttering between them. Um, uh, let's see, there's a lot of up and down the dynamics, but th- the piece really seems tethered to this really aggressive, um, dark and dissonant chord that opens the piece um, with a lot of really aggressive strumming. Um Times almost feels like he 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 channels the um, channels the ferocity of of like a Shostakovich string quartet at times. Um, it's one yeah, of the, uh, I was yeah, I was really, thinking uh, mm-hmm. Bartok fourth. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, and it definitely it it, it 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 sounds like it's just it has all the vitality of of like the most exciting string quartet music you could imagine. Um, it's like full of energy and aggression. It just can't be stopped and blasting ahead full speed. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, this is, uh, I, of course, right up my alley. I mean, when I hear this, I mean, yes, I, I heard, you know, just like you said, echoes of Shostakovich and echoes of Bartok uh, specifically is string quartet number four. But I also hear rock and metal in this piece. It's like, you know, really driven, really intense. Um just a really cool piece. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. 
yeah that's all i have to say about it it's really cool cool it's really yeah let's let's check it out this is uh michael thomas fumai his string quartet flare up And we just heard Michael Thomas Fumai flare up. And we're going to move on to Carlos Rafael Rivera, his piece. And I want to uh, sort of read the full title here and mispronounce it. Um, <laughs> the title is, I'm, I'm guessing this is Serbian, um, and it looks like Vranjanski Kosek or Raven Dance. And, and I'm, I'm like... 99.99999% sure I, I just mispronounced that. But uh, uh, yeah, Carlos was featured on the site on July 18th. And uh, this recording of this piece for guitar and flute, so classical guitar and flute, uh, by the Cavatina duo, which is uh, uh, Dennis Azabagic on uh, guitar and uh, on 
the flute, uh, his wife, uh, let me get her name real quick. <laughs> uh, Eugenia Moliner, Moliner. I'm probably mispronouncing that too, but, um, and uh, Carlos Rafael Rivera. Well, it's interesting because I've talked about Dennis Azabagic and Carlos Rafael Rivera already on a past episode of All the Cool Parts, where we did uh, one of the Naxos Laureate series CDs of Dennis Azabagic, and he played a piece on there of uh, Carlos Rafael Rivera. Not this piece, mm-hmm. but a different piece. Um, and uh, uh, this is a piece that I hadn't heard until. Um, I heard it on Composer Circle, uh, but I was thrilled. I, I really love Carlos's music. I love Dennis Azabagic. Uh, he is an unbelievably amazing guitarist. Um, and uh, I'd heard his uh, Cavatina duo that he has with his wife before, and they're just an amazing duo uh, based in uh, Chicago. Um, this piece was written uh, for a recording that they did uh, called the Balkan Project. Oops. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, websites that play music. Um, yeah, their, their CD, the Balkan Project, and uh, which basically they com- uh, commissioned a bunch of different composers to write music uh, inspired by music from uh, the, the region of, their, of uh, Dennis Azabagic and his wife's uh, origin, right? So the Serbian region and surrounding regions. And uh, what Carlos did was uh, he based this piece on a Serbian song, a Serbian folk song, uh, the aforementioned Ran Janski Kosek uh, or Raven Dance. And uh, he basically used this, you know, uh, at the request of the Cavatina duo and composed this piece, you know, mixing the Serbian music. Uh, with his own style. So you you can obviously hear the Serbian in this music. Uh, you can hear the Spanish influence. You can hear a South American influence. You can hear a North American influence. And uh, I forgot to read Carlos's bio. <laughs> so um, hold on. I'll, I'll do that real quick. Carlos, uh, and this is again from the Composer Circle site, uh, described by the San Francisco Examiner as ear and mind tingling, the music of Cuban Guatemalan composer Carlos Rafael Rivera has also been acclaimed by the Miami Herald and the LA Times, helping establish him as a composer with the unique ability of incorporating a large diversity of musical influences into his captivating work, uh, which reflects his multicultural upbringing in Central America and the United States. His work has been performed by some of the most prominent ensembles and soloists, including Arturo Sandoval, Colin Curie, Chanticleer, uh, he's been commissioned by the Simon Bolivar Youth Symphony, the Miami Symphony Orchestra, and the American Wind Symphony, and recorded by Warner, Sony, Naxos, and Sedil labels, uh, and awarded by the American Composers Orchestra, the Herb Alpert Foundation, the Guitar Foundation of America, BMI, and twice by ASCAP. So, uh, yeah, um, it really, uh, I, I know that Carlos is a guitarist. And, uh, but he is uh, composed for a wide variety of ensembles and orchestras, but it's also written a lot of guitar music. That's how I first came to uh, hmm. to know his music. Um, yeah, what did you think of uh, Raven Dance? Oh, it's just a really, really enjoyable piece to listen to. Um, I think one of the things that 
like as a percussionist is, is coolest for me about this piece is uh, how he incorporates um, the rhythm of the Balkan folk tune and, and of that region uh, through the meter in this piece and that uh, he, he, the, the meter um, here is uh, three beats to the measure then with an added extra measure that is a beat and a half of, of, of time right. um, so that uh, as you're listening if you try to just tap your foot straight ahead with it you're going to be constantly shifting on and off the beat um, so it has a there's there's a really charming irregularity to the rhythm of the piece um, right he says he says about the meter he says the meter is three four plus three eight which in English means very cool yeah I love that description <laughs> Yeah, great. It's a great pulse that really uh, pushes the piece ahead, and it gives gives it a really lively feel. Um, and the way he's he he weaves the melody in and out of the um, of that meter, I think, is particularly compelling. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Really rhythmically cool. Uh, really, again, driven piece. Um, and man, just the performance uh, by Azabagic and uh, the the Cavatina duo is just soaring. You know, it's just just so virtuosic. It just sounds fun and playful and effortless, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's check it out. This piece of Carlos Rafael Rivera. This is Ranyansky Cossack or Raven Dance. just heard color uh carlos rafael rivera's raven dance and we're going to move on to our last featured composer uh for this episode of uh uh, this uh composer's circle um version of all the cool parts sven david sandstrom his p uh, which was uh he was featured on the site on july 28th and we're going to hear his piece for mixed chorus called to see a world 
composed in 2008. So uh, yeah, what do you what do you think of Sven David and and this piece? Well, um, Sven David leads his um, bio saying that um, no composer has made such an impression on contemporary Swedish musical life as he has. And, um, that that is uh, pretty assuredly true. He's he's one yeah. of um, yeah. Yeah, uh, one of, if not uh, Sweden's most prominent voices in music today, um, like pretty much an established master. Uh, his his catalog of work includes more than three hundred compositions, um, with a dramatic range of style um, and scope. Um, uh, I know he he's said before that uh, two of his greatest loves in composing are, are choral music and percussion music, and he even has some great music that. Uh, combines the two uh, in really interesting ways. Um, the uh, the piece here today is um, to see to see a world which is based off of um, poetry by William Blake, uh, to which the text is to see a world in a grain of sand, and heaven in a wild flower. Hold infinity in the palm of your hand, and eternity in an hour. Um, really beautiful verse by Blake. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think it is is just a, an, an incredible setting of that text. Um, uh, we're going to start about um, a minute into it or so um, with this idea, um, this this melodic idea that's just kind of kind of like a, a, a subtle blossoming of sorts. Um, and and Prider will start in the excerpt. It's, we've heard that same idea growing over over about a minute, minute and a half. Um, and the piece I think is is largely about the blossoming and unfolding of this one melodic and harmonic idea, um, almost as if he's saying, you know, like to see the world in a grain of sand. Like here's this grain of an idea that represents it. That's that's slowly um, unfolding or growing <clears throat> into. Um, into infinity or to eternity. Um, there's a really beautiful and amazing climax at the center of this piece, um, at the height of blossoming. Um, it, it's full of, of, of absolutely beautiful suspensions where you have a, a note clashing, a, a sustained note that resolves at a different time as notes that move, and you, you get some be- beautiful um, clashing of, of, of dissonance temporarily uh, as some of the chords move um, and, and yes this is recorded by a um, a uh, Swedish vocal ensemble um, named St. Jacob's uh, und- I'm, I'm pronounce this incorrectly but und- score. I'm sure I said that wrong um, but uh, they do an absolutely beautiful job singing it um, I think the piece is very very um, moving and profound yeah well, mm-hmm. you said it. <laughs> you pretty much said it. Uh, I mean that that's that's it in a nutshell. And you know, Sven David. Uh, w- I think we both studied composition, right? With with Sven David. I unfortunately never never studied with him personally, but definitely worked with him a few times when um, I was in Indiana. Yeah, and you know, Sven David is just. Uh, he's just one of these people. Is just. It, just inspiring to be around, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he just has such an amazingly positive outlook, you know, on life and music and, and everything else. And he just, 
you know, when you're around him, you just can't help but but feed off of that, you know, posit- mm-hmm. positive attitude and that energy that he has. Um, and I think you can really hear it in this music. You know, you can you can really hear Sven David mm-hmm. in his in his. I don't know that I, maybe this sounds cheesy, but his sort of inner light, you know, in this music, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So let's check this out. I think this is a great piece to end uh, this show with. Uh, this is Sven David Sandstrom's To See a World. We just heard Sven David Sandstrom to see a world. And that's going to do it for this edition of all the cool parts. Uh, our f- first composer circle uh, edition. And hopefully uh, we can do another one of these at some point. You know, I, I know you're going to uh, continue with the website composercircle.com and it's going to continue to get amazing uh submissions and Mm -hmm. and and you know we're going to be continually being introduced to more new composers and new music and we're eventually going to have to play some more stuff absolutely (laughs) yeah i guess i should also point out that if 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 you liked anything that you heard today on the program um that you can hear the full recording of any of those pieces on the site um, and you can learn more about the composers on their own websites, which are linked to from Composer Circle, um, as well as about uh, 80 other composers to check out. Awesome. And um, is there anything that you would like to 
pimp or plug any anything you have coming up wait well, let me ask you a question first mm-hmm. um and and i i i know why you haven't done this but perhaps at some point we should see i would like to see a piece by you on the site oh yeah yeah i, I um uh, I, I think I'll, I'll do that at some point. Um, for, for, you know, I, I think uh, most people have asked me why haven't you featured featured yourself on the site yet? And um, I think, uh, at least for now, I want to keep it uh, more more towards what I was, you know, wanting to garner from it and, and really getting myself to listen to a lot of their music. Um, but um, I'll, I'll, I'll probably. I'll put something up there yeah. before before too long, I think. Yeah, good. Yeah, because, yeah, we want to hear yeah. your music too. But, I mean, I, I again, like I said, I understand, you know, um, why you haven't done that yet but mm. uh, and the reasons. But, um, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, anyway, the, the pimp and plugging <laughs> part, <laughs> do you have anything coming up that uh, we should know about? Um, well, uh, I just had a new CD come out, um, a, a piece of mine that was written for um, – um, my ensemble Los Angeles Percussion Quartet uh, was just released on a um, CD by uh, on the record label Sono Luminous, um, which is a 20-minute piece called Ritual Dances, um, and that it just just came out um, uh, back in February, um, and uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, the record label released it in two formats, both on an audio CD and a, uh, a Blu-ray, and the oh, Blu-ray. Cool. Uh, the Blu-rays in 7.1 surround sound. Um, wow. Which is really, really incredible to listen to. Sounds like you're in the middle of a percussion ensemble, and there's like 100, I think we used more than 200 instruments on this recording, and it's like you're just surrounded by all sorts of exotic sounds. Um, uh, the the, the big, big challenge there, of course, is finding a 7.1 surround uh, audio system to listen to. <laughs> right, around, but right. Um, but yeah, we have that new CD that just came out recently. So, and uh, where can they? Do you have a, a URL or anything where they can go to get that? Oh, sure, they can go to um, sonaluminous.com or to my own website, uh, ericginnevin.com. Can you spell um, your last name for them? Yes, it is G U I N I V A N. Okay, and it's also available on uh, iTunes and Amazon and other various digital media. Okay, awesome. That sounds man. I I, I wish I could find uh, a seven point one system to listen to it on. Oh, me that too. I only great. really got to hear it in the uh, in the um, developer's lab. <laughs> then I went home like, well, can't can't listen to that in seven point one <laughs> again for a while. But but the two point one also sounds really good. So yeah, I'm sure. Okay, well, um, thank you, uh, Eric, for coming on the show. And, oh, my uh, pleasure. And, yeah, and and th- thanks for what you're doing with all the cool parts. Oh, yeah. My pleasure. And, um, uh, yeah, listeners, uh, please go to, once again, ComposerCircle.com to discover uh, great new music and a bunch of great new composers, living composers and composers that are contributing to uh, the continuing uh, vitality of classical music. And, uh, yeah, and and until next time, Eric... um, yeah, I, I hope you have a, a great rest of the summer and a great fall. And um, yeah, we'll do this again. Sounds good. All right. See you soon. All right. Thanks again. <laughs>